the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 261 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i'm your host dan tom analyst is where you can find over at mmajunkie.com but on this here program the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're gonna do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's for the fight as i'm recording this after the weigh-ins on friday uh yes um so uh yeah we're gonna as per usual, I should say, sorry, I'm all stammered up. It's my third time trying to record this. Um, shouts to uh, the Unseen, uh, No Master Race, uh, and shouts to the people who like um, the change-up in music uh, between everything going on and the fact that, especially now for me speaking my mind, I won't be getting any sponsorships anytime soon. Um, it, you know, I figure why not have fun with some music that, uh, by the way, I always try to be apropos with the lyrics going back, back, back to every episode where the music changes up, but um, this last two especially. So uh, shout out to the Sound of Violence podcast for humoring my sloppy seconds Janie uh, request, which uh, also apropos. Um, you know, the other day, which probably got me into this whole high school punk thing. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, even though I shouldn't apologize, but as you guessed it, I'm going to warn you, go skip ahead. As per usual, if you don't want to listen to um, Dan Tom's Hardcore History Hour. No, um... Just hopefully the last, and then we can fucking move on. I, I want to be over this fight week because it's been fucking miserable um, from my perspective, uh, which I will get into one last time to tie up some loose, loose ends from last week as well as more just talking to my colleagues. I'm preaching to the choir with you guys. This is not directed toward you guys. More just toward my colleagues where my disappointment really kind of just lies this week. And, you know, shouting out ones that deserve it as well. Again, you know, we do both fairly here. Um... But uh, oh, nice birds tweeting. But yeah, it's um, it you know again, skip ahead. Um, like most shows, uh, I, or most shows don't give you the timestamps. I do, and if they do, which I you know check those for when I break the show, top to bottom, UFC two sixty one. But um, I also always recap my picks and plays at the end if you're in a rush because these are expedited editions recorded late in the week, and I respect your time, and I don't expect everybody to listen to me. Believe it or not. I get it. Although, I wish more listened to me on weeks like this. Although, judging by my lack of follows, listens, and the people up in my comments, you know, trying to tag MMA Junkie uh, where I work, trying to, you know, say that I'm anti-Semitic or anti-women in, in response to me speaking up about Asian hate. Clearly, the people that accuse others of being triggered are clearly triggered. Surprise, surprise. And uh, I just checked, and one of them, um, at least one of them, I don't know, are bringing down my average of ratings now down, so they're attacking me there. Um, you know, for a guy who, again, sticks to sports way more, has a track record of that than anybody, doesn't have a political side, yet the one, you know, when, when I start deciding to speak up about human lives or Asian lives, people get real upset, apparently. 
people stop listening and people comment negative shit like saying like I'm anti-Semitic and anti-woman, which is funny because anytime I even go, if this podcast is guilty of anything, it's guilty of uh, sexualizing men. I mean, there is more penis talk on this podcast than most on your feed with all due respect to the MMA analysis, of course. Um which is funny. So if you want to accuse me, accuse me there. I'm definitely guilty of that there. But toward the women, uh, I always cop out with the stay on target Star Wars reference. Um, despite Star Wars being another space that just appropriates everything Asian and, and gives little to no representation back. Um, but anyways, neither here nor there. <laughs> I said that on like an Asian post and I still even like an angry Asian man. Asian only specific post I still got racial clap back for comments because you just can't escape it but hey Asian Asian anti-Asian racism isn't real we'll, we'll get into more on why it's not real of course in this podcast folks uh, and you know me also again you know very uh, also going to talk about some women's stuff and Jewish stuff uh, history uh, that I was planning to regardless of that person's comment because you know this is such an anti-Jewish uh, podcast as well you know despite having more Jewish co-hosts, very Jewish co-hosts, having a bunch of Jewish listeners, you know, uh, but but yeah, mainly more actual Jewish presence on on the show, projecting on the platform than most in the space. But yeah, super anti-Semitic, yes. Um, but uh, if you guys can help me there, that would be great. I, I honestly don't know how much I want to do this show any longer. I may go the way of one of the other few Asian media people in the space of Esther Lin, um, as. She had it much more than me because uh, she was a woman on top of being Asian. So I can't even complain uh, in comparison to that. But I do understand. <laughs> I do understand why she wants to get the hell out of this space. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do obviously do that completely. But as far as this podcast, it's kind of taking my hat out. And again, not because of you guys. You guys have been awesome, if anything. It is and not even the select listeners. Because again, it, it, it was more my... Uh, my colleagues, and I know a lot of them listen to this show, so I'm not trying to call you guys out. I will stay respectful, as I always do. Still support you guys, as I always do and have. Uh, but, yeah, I'm allowed to speak my feelings, especially when they're factual. Um, but, yeah, there was just really disappointing stuff in the media um, on how it was covered, because, um, you know, there is just... Um, a lot of media just saying, oh, no problem with what Rose said at all. And some of them kind of back backtracked this week. Or I haven't listened to see if they backtrack. Some just kept pushing forward like nothing's wrong at all after saying nothing was wrong last week. Um, and um, if my media members, I guess, <laughs> need any more of a reason, I guess I'll, I'll get into a couple things here. And we're citing that. Well, you know, Rose... She, you know, said she didn't mean anything personal. Well, just because you say it's nothing personal doesn't mean it is. She literally, you can quote her, said, it's not a coincidence that Whaley is red and that's what she represents or what Rayleigh represents. Like, she literally called her out. Um, so the fact that she, in interviews or interviews this week, says, oh, I didn't mean anything toward her as a person. It's like, well, the damage is done. You got better dead than flo floating around everywhere, which, better red than dead, which... Uh, if dead doesn't qualify as hate speech or whatever, you know, uh, having that in a slogan, um, or the fact of, uh, you know, the anti-Asian sentiment, anti-Asian racism is at all-time high, things my media colleagues can't seem to fucking acknowledge. Um, but uh, even after, like, it's the second Whaley opponent in a row, you know, uh, even though you could say Joanna actually did more racist stuff, which, by the way, I still pick Joanna... 
and scored it for her live. So people saying that I let this shit blind me. Like, no, I've stuck into sports and have a better track record than the most. I objectively break down and give these people more time in studying their skill than the media members of the top to the media members and the people who defend them. I give them that respect, regardless. So anybody can get the fuck out of Dodge with that argument. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, apologies, my, my third time record, recording this, uh, but, um, but yes, it, so it was just really frustrating and I tried reaching out to some media members and eventually just lost heart from just what I was seeing, how I was seeing it was covered. Some media members not getting back to me at all. Some saying they will in their defense, although it didn't never happened and, or I, you know, I couldn't at a time and that's fine. Um, essentially only one media member gave me the time of day in DMs to have that conversation. And even though this media member, you could accuse being on paper, being biased toward the Rose side, um, given their heritage or this or that. But uh, guess what? This media member is a good human being and was able to uh, see the common thread from his own people suffering to my people suffering and see how the relevance to the actual situation at hand. And we were actually able to have a meaningful very adult conversation and we still love and respect each other just as much every bit as before if only all conversations could go that way but um i couldn't even get my own friends and colleagues to have said conversations so it's just a real clear message you know um as to again i don't need to preach to you guys everything i'm saying is getting proven right which we'll further get to here in a second but um that the disproportion i speak to as far as Asian issues not being cared about in this space. Uh, well, it's, you know, you know, despite it being a martial arts space and you know all the connections there. Oh, it's outside the cage, Dan. Outside the cage stuff. Okay, well, there was some outside the cage stuff um, that had to do with women this week, um, but that got a bunch of love, um, and it was it deserves love, by the way. Um, and I'll cite that here in a second. Um, it was a women's article about what they have to go through. And it's something that I only have been talking about since the beginning of this podcast as far as the disproportionate amount of bullshit, at least from the outsider view, because that's all I can offer since I am not a woman. Um, but even going back to like 2015, the MMA latest days with my man Jordan York, Jordan Killian, Jordan Douglas, man of many names, like we would always talk about that shit, you know, but, you know, again, I'm so fucking anti-woman. But I guess what I'm saying is what hurt me most is that you're always going to have a racist or sexist crowd no matter what the subject is especially in the MMA space, especially online. And yes, we shouldn't always focus on that. But what bummed me out more was the other space, the woke space of colleagues, fans, people, whatever, the aware space, right? Because when it came to the women's issues, there was a, a pretty decent amount, right? Um, even when it came to issues that had nothing to do with the sport, but obviously were very important like Derek Chauvin rightly being prosecuted, although that sadly does not write the glaring holes in our system, which is a whole other conversation that I'm not an authority on, but I think we all know it's problematic, right, uh, as far as the policing goes. Uh, so again, very something very important to me, many, uh, you hopefully you, it should be. But again, not exactly related to the sport. Seeing everybody weigh in on that. Of course, everybody weighs in on COVID. But ain't shit about anti-Asian sentiment, anti-Asian hate, Asian lives, Asian storylines. Ain't shit. You know? Um, even the UFC's account, you got the, they're, they're fueling this bullshit, you know? Uh, 
um, politics, you know, for heritage, you know, real subtle, low-key stuff showing Rose at the Embedded, you know, getting her nails done by an Asian, you know? Probably part of her ritual. Like, didn't she have that ritual with Geechee on some other past Embedded's where they always go to this Japanese restaurant, the sushi restaurant, is their ritual, and they, they, they know Justin and Rose by name, and they take care of them? You know, karate, it's like how karate took care of her. Taekwondo, Korean art, all these different Southeast Asians that do her nails, but no, no, you're Chinese, fuck you, Asian face, as a person, not acknowledging, you can, you can acknowledge my, Whaley can come see my culture, it's like, well, no, you don't have to be friends with Whaley, you're gonna fight her, I get it, you don't even have to take her invitation, but, um, the reason why she's inviting you is because she, she's not the one, uh, you know, for, you know, further generating hate talk, and people, you know, or, or, you know, just negative talk in general, People want to say, you know, oh, no, 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 Asian hate, no, words don't mean anything. Like, dude, I'm hearing my own people uh, that are supposed to be covering this thing properly, like, going, oh, is that what Whaley really meant? Is that what she said? Did the translator really say this? What does she really mean? Or even quote tweeting, what did she mean by this? You know, just like how Rose is saying, like, was she being genuine? Was she being, like, that's what I meant by the tweet that, you know, got me in trouble with everybody, you know, that got shared all over the place was like, when I said tired conjecture, that's exactly what I meant. So to hear it be repeated only proves my point, but to hear it be repeated by people that are supposed to be covering the sport really breaks my fucking heart. And and I did take the time, not just to Rose's behest, to learn more about Lithuanian culture, which, by the way, um, let me um, shout out my guy Aaron Bronstetter, who is one of the few, you know, I, I can genuinely say good people in this space, um, who's always fair, not just professionally, but personally, a good person in and out. And I always genuinely, as I will on this show, recommend you check out and support his podcast, The TSN MMA Show. He, of course, is both Lithuanian and Jewish. We can come at it at a unique aspect. And although you can only get so much as your interview subject's going to get, and there's not a lot of depth to Rose, let's just say, or much less acknowledgement um, on her side of it. But Aaron um, does do a good job and is able to perhaps enlighten some of you guys as far as... Um, the parts of history that rose you know again history like religion can be selectively cited when it's at its most dangerous as that's what she does uh but still um it's an important thing for people to learn about so i wanted to shout that and in the efforts of doing my due diligence shout out to sam yang an article i also shared with the clapbackers and the commenters but also went further to read further on the topic to, to further educate myself and why the better dead than red is not just, again, um, hateful, uh, you, you know, can be used as hate speech, much less, especially in the context and at this time, relevantly, uh, hate speech toward Asians, um, but also why anti-Semitic now Lithuania was in a tight spot um, when they were, when this was shouted, um, because they had to pick between Nazi Germany and the Soviet, who traditionally treated them bad and sadly would go on to treat them bad um, long after um the Nazis were done with, right? So I, I get that. I get that, man. Not questioning that. Um, nor would I ever question anyone's heritage or feelings. Try to take that away from them. Not not doing that here. Not trying to, okay? Um, but it, it, that, that, it just, it, it does kind of ironic that, you know, no one in the media was bringing that up to Rose, who they all went really soft on her this week. Um, but I went to read up on my, myself, and again, why Asians and the Jews tend to relate to each other. 
and I'm rounding this out for in case any of my colleagues, aside from the obvious of not associating faces, uh, why that's bad, <laughs> surface value or moralistically, but in case you need more reasons on why this is so problematic, uh, if you will, um, is that when you actually read the history, um, one of the, you know, they're very proud of their anti-communism, and one of the, I, I'm going to mispronounce the name, but it, it starts with an N, and uh, well, he's got like statues of him all over, and he's like an anti-communist fighting figure, but, um, you know, recent information, more recent information in recent years have come to light from both multiple written sources and to be honest the guy's own family kind of outing him themselves um and i'm not going to tell you the way that's true because like science and um religion and culture it's really controversial when you start injecting new information well-meaning well-intentioned fact-based or not i definitely understand that and i am no authority nor am i trying to challenge that i simply bring it up um to cite the to cite the parallels here um to cite the parallels here uh which is that uh sorry i'm like on an empty stomach here um to cite the parallels here which is that uh hold on a second um shit basically that so <laughs> i'm losing my train of thought this is bad um Sorry, the better than the red. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So basically, when reading up on it, the guy's like family outed himself and this and that. And you know, I'm not trying to like say whether it's true or not. But aside from the multiple written sources showing that like this guy actually um, was uh, anti-Semitic, both anti-Semitic, and uh, largely the reason why he's being questioned is it's showing that he um, largely helped facilitated the extermination of the Jews. Now, people that don't know, and I, what I found out is that Lithuania was actually a really rich home for the Jews, dating all the way back to the 14th century. And for those of you unaware, like uh, the Jews having any sort of a home in history is pretty significant, considering like their history with just being persecuted. Quite frankly, um, so like that's a big deal. And for Nazi Germany in such a short time to literally wipe off 90% of the population of the Lithuanian Jewish population, I should say is fucking huge to where like now you know you can barely find them in history um and even like lithuania's own historical official historical bodies uh have opted to remove holocaust stuff from their history like real problematic shit well you know putting and i'm not here to tell you what's right or this or that all i know is that the extermination of jews is wrong i i feel like i can't speak on anything on the lithuanian side but i feel like i uh, even though I'm not Jewish, I feel like I can confidently say that is wrong, rounding them up into camps, right? And aside from, and I'm not here to parse out whether it's true or not, but I guess aside from multiple written sources and the guy's own family outing him, like you can go to newspapers in the 1930s of this historical figure. And uh, God damn, I need to pull up his name. It's like N, it's like Nikola, Nick something. But, um, and um, you can find in newspapers of him quoted going like, you know, like, Lithuania's market was having trouble with inflation and things. And tell me if this sounds familiar, especially, you know, in reference to Korean grocers in L.A. getting targeted by Nazis or, you know, other across the United States. Um, This guy was was blaming it on the Jews, saying the Jews are raising our inflations and they're responsible for Lithuania's inflations and our poor economy. And there are other sites of him going... Um, the way to combat this, he would later say, was to not buy Jewish products, 
uh, made by a Jew is bad and like all these things like equating them like to an animal you know it's like the Germans did to the Jews with rats um, so there's some shared shared um, uh, shared motive there perhaps right when now a lot of people counter and say well this guy this character was actually ended up getting killed I believe and sent if not killed at least sent to a uh, Nazi internment camp to die um, but you know, that's also just because the Nazis were just bad dudes in general, not just the Jews. Um, there was systematic uh, for homosexuals and gays. Um, and yeah, when they were done using people to exterminate or infiltrate an area, um, just like in the movies, folks, yeah, they would fuck you up too. Like, th those camps were fucking hell. Uh, they were fucking everything wrong with the, you know, ugly about the human race and, and, and not even just toward the Jews, sadly, right? Um so there could be a lot of reasons why that guy ended up in one of those camps still. Um, but the point was, is that all the kind of anti-Asian racism in the 80s and stuff and 90s that I started to hear filter out as I thought we were moving past it of made in China bullshit, fucking Chinese, Korean grocery, you know, all that, you know, especially in the 90s, right? A lot of racial tensions there. Um, and now it's all been coming back. And, and again, you know, words don't matter. But look at history what words lead to uh now speaking of camps now speaking how that relates back to asians how it relates to rose targeting an asian face again for for my colleagues out there that still need to be educated on this um I was revisiting farewell to manzanar which is written from a japanese woman uh, as a young girl's perspective in her internment camps because she was an asian american who got thrown into the internment camps like the japanese and again you know why it's why I can't stand the hypocrisy. It's like everybody in the comments, like, oh, Russian power for Valentina. She's hot. You know, uh, of course, that's the only positive comment the women gets is when they're sexualized. Same with Asians. It's usually only Asian women. And it's usually because, oh, Zeng's actually kind of hot. Like, those are the only positive comments you're going to find are just sexualized ones, you know, which is sad um, in its own right for women. Um, but again, you know, this is anti-woman podcast, so let me let me push on here, right? Um, but, um, but yeah, for those, you know, just like the reason why it's, it's hypocritical, you know, it's like, oh, but some communism's cool, but if there's an Asian face, then that's, that's the bad thing, right? And again, I don't expect Rose to be friends with her. She's got to, or she got to find her motivation, you know what I'm saying? But it's just the fact that, like, she can't acknowledge, and my colleague can't acknowledge the Asian side of things, but we have to acknowledge Rose's side of things, even though she's the one that's starting shit, and is factually wrong on a lot of the shit she's saying. But, um... Or hypocritical, um, but like, um, but, but yeah, like the same thing. You know, we're gonna target the Asian face for communism. Now back to farewell to man's in our World War Two, the axis of evil: Germans, Italians, and Japanese. Where was the internment camps for the Germans and the Italians? Oh, there was none. And when the child who wrote farewell to man's in our, when she asks as a child, as children often do, they ask the obvious. Like, why, why are we the only ones, Dad, that are being put into the camps? Why not the Italians and the Germans? And the father, I can't quote exactly, I don't have it in front of me, but says something to the extent of, the Asians, can't, we can't hide our faces. Um, and so they were the ones that sent to the camps. And, um, and yeah, and, you know, but hey, and, and you know, so, so that's why that shit's problematic. And the same colleagues that were saying that, you know, anti-Asian, you know, racism wasn't real or that there was no problem with, uh, or that at the very least that there was no problem with what Rose said. 
and for the people, I'll open my comments for that post that not just for the tire conjecture, which I explained and was sadly being perpetuated by my own colleagues, but like the other part of it where I, I didn't even say racism, by the way, I said anti-Asian sentiment um, and how um, the Florida crowd, uh, that was my worry. Um, you know, and again, Florida jokes all over the place because Florida doesn't have the greatest track record, but you know, I say that people get all pissy. Well, even one of the own podcasts that said there was no, you know, uh, no issue with Rose said, one of the, they opened the podcast with one of their first experiences in Florida. Um, and it's, you know, I love and respect everybody on the podcast. And it's a podcast that I listen to and support, by the way. And it's a respected podcast because they give you on the ground coverage. So, not saying anything, not, you know, not throwing shade, just calling things for, you know, what they are while still giving the respect and keeping the same energy, something I always do and have done better than my colleagues for the most part. Um, but uh, they start by saying their first experience in Florida with an Uber driver is a dude talking about wanting to nuke China. <sighs> but, you know, anti-Asian, you know, anti-Asian racism, that ain't real. You know, that was just one guy. <sighs> you know, and I just got to see these things, you know. And as I went and made the obvious connections with martial arts of this space and how obvious disproportionate the examples that I give constantly give you guys as new ones always pop up every week on how in the martial arts space oddly enough is some of the most anti-asian spaces i've seen personally which is crazy uh or the fact that rose you know can get her feet done by southeast asians she can you know go get her uh sushi tradition on with justin geishi at the japanese place in denver of some previous embedded where they know their name and make them special food and always take care of them she can take Japanese karate, a Korean Taekwondo, uh, to help her mental health and make money and start her on this path. She can claim the martial arts thing, living the life of a martial artist. But, you know, she can't see other cultures. You know, she can't see pe person for a person. Come see my culture, Whaley. I don't, I, don't, I don't have to see yours, but I can go and take the name Thug Rose Nama Yunus and claim reverse racism which is gross by the way my, 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 if, I don't like that either aspect either because my mom who uh, was adopted uh, because uh, she's half you know when people want to talk about racism being a uh, an inherited thing you can feel the shock from your family from previous generations and why that's a real thing yeah my mom doesn't you know didn't even get to know her parents were because mixing with Asians were so bad that even in an Asian friendly place like Hawaii um, she wasn't wanted because she was half white people who, you know, held the queen at gunpoint to make them sign over the treaty uh, as we started our nice, glorious path to eventually become statehood uh, or the Japanese who bombed the shit out of the island um, in Pearl Harbor. Um, that by the time my mom was born, um, neither side, much less mixed with both those sides, uh, was unwanted. So she grew up getting... She literally got like strapped to a chair from her own cousins and they would play a tape recorder uh, as to why she doesn't look like them and she'll never be one of them because she looks white. And she went to school in Hawaii when they had something called Kill Howley Day, folks. Rose didn't have to deal with that shit in Denver or Minneapolis or whatever suburbia she grew up in. Um, they actually had something back in the day called Kill Howley Day. It was every Friday and you would throw rocks and beat the shit out of white people. And since my mom even though she spoke local and was because she grew up with all the Chinese and Hawaiian traditions and embraced all that shit. She looked white and 
the guys liked her for it because it was exotic. It was different, right? Especially back then. And boy, did that make the girls hate her more. And she just got the, she grew up getting the shit beat out of her. You know who I've never heard say one racist thing? My mom. You know who doesn't go around calling herself thug? My mom. You know who always embraces other cultures and still doesn't have bad taste on the island? The culture that wouldn't have her, that literally beat her up when there was real prejudice going on? My mom. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give Rose the appropriation of the thug nickname. Um, but yeah, it's not even so much even her or the martial arts space, but back to the colleagues uh, as to why it's funny, you know, because I could go down the list from Korean barbecue, sushi, Asian cinema, um, anime. That's a huge one. Um, you know, all these different things, martial arts, of course, uh, making your own paychecks off the martial arts space. Of course, that one using Asian symbolism or anime or other franchises for your, you know, podcast or, or names that you make money off of. That's another one. It, it reminds me of that scene from Do the Right Thing where Mookie's talking to John Turturro's character. And um, he's, uh, he's saying, you know, every time you talk about black people, it's N-word this, it's N-word that, yet all your favorite people are black. Your favorite for Who's your favorite sports star? Magic Johnson. Who's your favorite artist? Prince you know, uh, et cetera. And that's what I feel like when I just look at this media sp space and this MMA space in general, you know, all the fighters, all the media, and like, even, even, you know, like, because the biggest anime fans and this and that are like people who aren't Asian and they're like fighters and or media people. And it's just like, you look at like all these things, like some of the biggest fans of Asian things aren't Asian and are in, the media space as far as the people I know that are the biggest fan of Asian things. And that's another reason why it hurts so much to like go to these people's timelines. Tell me how much stop Asian hate, go track down their opinions and, and tell me how many of them found nothing wrong. So yeah, it's this kind of shit that just makes me, um, been thinking about that conversation from, from do the right thing, Spike Lee. Um, and just like the movie, nobody in this space seems to do the right thing. Which is really sad. And lastly, but not leastly, since you guys don't give a shit about um, Asians, but you know, still somewhat give a shit about other things, um, like women's issues, as you goddamn well better. Uh, but if you guys don't care about Whaley and you can't sympathize her, with her position or care about her Asian culture or much less acknowledge it, um, can we at least acknowledge like how amazing it is what she's doing as a woman? Because, oh, what do you mean? Now we have plenty of women's champions. Like, okay, you know, for all you China bros who love... Um, love being selective with your facts on communism bad bros i'm about to give you some more you can use for your really disproportionate and unfair reply guy tm arguments which is even though it's not a selective chinese thing for you fucking selective history reply guys out there but uh women gentrification for population control isn't is sadly only something that got stopped being done in recent history and of course, with China being the most notable overpopulation, both in recent relevant times, as well as moreover, a disproportionate amount of past history times, when you start getting back into the, the now start measuring back by centuries, they definitely take the cake as far as overpopulation. So they're going to get um, 
booted with this. So uh, before all the Reply Guy TMs goes, China's so bad. Like, I'm sure all you guys are fans of 300, where they started the movie by um, disseminating between babies for uh, their uh, unsolicited birth control, population control methods, as you will see this looked up if you actually care to read about the subject. So um, hypocrisy aside, but yes, I can acknowledge bad things about China. It's okay to acknowledge bad things about your, your heritage, folks, and move on and focus on the positive. That's kind of all I'm asking everybody to do here. Um, but yes, Asian culture is not just China, by the way. I have a history of not treating women the greatest, as do many cultures, by the way, sadly, folks. Um, but Asians especially, and like to see a champion, and she comes from the, she wasn't born in the year of the tiger, uh, Zhang Wei Li. But she represents the Black Tiger um, team. And that's kind of interesting because within population control, the Chinese twist to it within their own horoscope um, was that not just women, but uh, which would be adoption or other messages. They didn't necessarily kill them all the time, right? However, if it was a, a, a girl baby and she was born in the year of the tiger, that's where the dangerous spiritual woo-woo comes in because... Like all the horoscopes, you know, oh, this person's going to be feisty if they are born in that year. Well, the Chinese have their own version of that. And if you're born in the year of the tiger, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, tiger is associated with aggression as in martial arts as well as Asian culture, right? Um, so you're going to have a strong personality. That's fine. That's looked at as a plus if you're a male. First born Chinese boy tiger, oh boy, that'll be celebrated. But if you were born in the year of tiger, as a your ass got drowned in the fucking river a lot of the times, folks. Like, it's so hard, even for, like, the Jet Lees or the Jackie Chans of the world to make themselves stand out in a country and government that is designed to assimilate you just as one person for you to have no face. And as you can see, clearly, when you're lucky enough to make it out of there, akin to, spoiler alert, the ending to the original uh, Night of the Living Dead, right? Uh, the black guy, the main character, he makes it out of fucking hell just to get shot by the outside world, right? That's what I feel like watching Wei Li Zhang make it out of fucking China, only to get shot by... We got another one, folks! Better dead than red! Uh, and not realizing, like, what the fucking odds are of a Chinese person, much less a Chinese athlete, much less a Chinese woman athlete, to make it this far. You know how fucking crazy that is? Mind-blowing that is? With Asia, China specifically... Uh, their culture toward women and for her to be doing what she's doing to even have the freedom just to have a dog and love martial arts and pursue what she wants to do like that's fucking rare folks you know you know all, all you communism bros like that surprisingly lack sympathy for the people like i've seen it man they're not going out on their friday or saturday nights like me like, like any of us pre-pandemic it's a different way of life over there. It's tough. And these people, like the Jews, have a long history of being persecuted, genocided, experimented on, war times and not, no matter the gender, but especially if they were women. And uh, yeah, it's Dan Tom's Hardcore History Hour. Sorry, folks. But um, for any of you that need a, need, a, you know, need a reason to acknowledge Wei Li a little bit in this situation or to see why, the situation is unfair. Just go listen to the past few episodes or direct people there as I've already lost my listenership and I need to take a break. Sorry about that. I'm going to mark the time if anybody's even still with me. 
Not much to say on Bellator. 257 recap was wrong about uh, Yakshi Murdoff pick, although as soon as I got out of the first round, I knew I was wrong because that was how I stated it in the breakdown. And then Phil Davis should not have took that flyer. Uh, not that I bet it, but like as far as a pick flyer. Um, because he fought the worst fight possible. And the worst part was he didn't even... He, he, he stymied the sample size even more because... Namkov did go five rounds, but he still looked tired, even though Phil Davis really wasn't pushing a pace, so we really didn't know if Nemkov can answer the call of a hard five-minute round pace, which is why people, I'm sure, think Corey Anderson is even more of a dark horse. But me, I'm actually going to keep the same energy as I do with most things, as you can tell, um, even though my pick was wrong, because I just, even if Anderson beats Bader, I don't know if I pick him to beat Bader, but even if he does, I, I, don't, I don't know that his chin holds up the whole time and doesn't just eat something opportunistic from Nemkov. So, yeah, that's it. Um, and then, um, lastly, but not leastly, Bell, uh, Maz Brunel, excuse me, and J.J. Wilson won their fights. Excuse me. Um, as um, my Dark Horse article and the episode with Spencer Kite, opening a water there, um, has aged very well, by the way. Hmm. Um, yeah, and then we're going to move on. We went like 6-4 and four overall picks in uh, UFC Vegas 24, UFC and ESPN 22. Robert Whitaker defeated Kelvin Gaston by unanimous decision. Pretty much called that fight exactly how it went. Orlovsky defeated Sherman. Thank you, Orlovsky, for that. Cash. Uh, Malkoon defeated Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Glad I avoided Abdul Razak. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, Cortez defeated Quiche. Pena defeated Munoz on bias, but I also wasn't watching as closely. I did think Munoz won, so did many, but what are you going to do? Uh, Romanov defeated Juan Espino. That saved my butt, but I shouldn't have cashed that. It probably should have been a draw. All things equal, right? Um, I definitely sympathize with Juan Espino betters there. Did much better than I gave him credit for, so I cannot victory lap at anything. I got to come clean there. Jessica Penny defeated Lupita Goodness. Uh, this is out of principle. Piss me off. Goodness. Let me first date. She didn't deserve to win the fight. She threw it away by clinching and doing stupid stuff. That being said, I pissed off more out of principle because you guessed it. The judges are overcorrecting the steering wheel again. Uh, we should be moving toward uh, damage. I agree with that. Uh, slash uh, agree with, you know, trying to interpret the actual fucking criteria for once. However, they can't consistently do it as they consistently um, fuck up the grappling portions of their judging. Um, by I guess they did award submission catches for once in their goddamn life, not hard slams or hard punches to the face. Um, so that was complete bullshit. Uh, I do like Jessica Penny, and I that fight was kind of a hot mess. I did say so. It wasn't even from a betting or anything of that. But it was out of a principled perspective. Like that just pissed me off at the fucking judges. Uh, what didn't piss me off that also helped fill the pockets was Gerald Nearshard defeating Bartosz Fabinski via guillotine choke. That was a nice cash. Thank you, GM3. Glad to see he got the bonus. Um, it's one of the few things I will lean into my blue check mark for or whatever is like I or I will tag somebody and or for as uh, the UFC is when uh, I try to speak up for dudes, good dudes like GM3 to get bonuses. Uh, congratulations on having the new kid. I don't even know if you had him yet, but I know it's due soon, Gerald. Austin Hubbard defeated Dakota Bush. Shouldn't have took the shot on Dakota Bush, but what is it about Austin Hubbard that both make betters like me as well as fighters like try to empty the tank on him and not even in the smart way? Um, the dude like spends most time calf kicking, even though he doesn't have. He spends the first round going harder in a nutritional game, even though he doesn't have the cardio, much less 
uh, a short notice camp to put on a traditional effort. That was just stupid. Um, good on Hubbard. Uh, Tony Gravely defeated Anthony Burchak. Sucks for Burchak. Um, good on Gravely. Uh, Zara Farron, Josan Nunez uh, off due to weight miss. And Jeremy Stevens, Dracar close, called off due to Jeremy using Denmark at the weigh ins. Um, so, yeah, not much to say there. Uh, let's move on from that to 40. UFC on ESPN 22 breakdown. Um, yeah, we're going to go from top to bottom. Uh, I got in depth out on MMA Junkie. And I actually put a lot into these. I'm really proud of these. Used a lot of GIF action, which um, unfortunately, you know, makes me more exposed to people's opinions. <laughs> so it's a little harder to keep the filter clean, but I feel like I did a really good job of uniquely explaining some unique information, especially with uh, Jessica Andrade and others, which we'll get to uh, here shortly, here to four. But anything I do miss, please check those out. I really put a lot into those breakdowns. I haven't been skimping on those, albeit... Um, and not my intention either. I've been sadly skimping, and I apologize on these. If I, I didn't say it, by the way. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I said it in one of the deleted versions, but um, the only reason why I feel like I'm doing doing the podcast lately is for you guys, because I do genuinely love you guys, and especially for the people who do support the show, even though it's free. There's a lot of you who um, have supported the show generously. And for those of you, whether I keep doing this show or not, I just want to let you know that you guys, I hope you know that you can always DM me ahead of time if you have a special request and you don't want to wait for the podcast slash who knows if I'm taking a break from this podcast coming up. Um, I will still happily serve you guys and fulfill my duties um, or what I feel like are my duties to you. I still owe you um, and happily help you guys cash. Please DM me anything you need instead of having to wait for these shit shows to come out because i have not been doing a good job for you guys and i apologize um all right top of the bill kamara usman minus 440 george masvidal plus 350 uh i'm staying away from this line not just because it's wide but it shouldn't be this wide uh masvidal did much better than i remember on rewatch and he didn't have a full camp however usman will also have a full camp and usman will he, I think he is always injured, by the way, with his knees and shit, but he had some extra injuries like toe dislocations and shit going into that, uh, broken nose going into that. So stuff affecting him as well. Also, you got to, you know, the fact that he was uh, probably not even practicing his wrestling at all because he was, as we saw with uh, when he did face Gilbert Burns, he wasn't exactly trying to go to it. And he also got a factor in, another reason why you, you cannot condemn, you had to give credit for Masvidal doing or. Usman doing it on one of his worst outings because like all fighters when they go to a new camp even if it's a good coach like Whitman there is an adjustment period right much less than a chaotic one like that where you know like this card he's also sharing uh, the card with Rose the main card with Rose a couple fights down so there's a little bit of a juggle backstage too right so again uh, and we saw Usman a little bit more refined and as far as new possible tools in the Gilbert Burns fight Possible worry that I talked about with the heavy hands guys, or they talked about, uh, I should say they brought up more as far as this fact goes, giving credit where credit to do, is that um, a worry of Usman being, becoming a back foot fighter and Trevor Whitman turning him into that, which could be a worry, especially here, because he's got to get back to his pressuring ways. Um, hopefully, I imagine everyone's smart enough to realize that. And uh, Usman doesn't get too predictable with the jabs and doesn't get fainted out by Masvidal, so where Masvidal can start predicting, countering, and drawing out on him. Um, shout out to my man, 
French Philippe over there. Uh, also, Sweet Punch Memories, another account you should follow. Try to give those some love in my articles, um, as he was really on the spot with so much Masvidal stuff this week. Um, really great job over there. Um, I also, you know, I, I also posted some of my own, some stuff that surprised me, like Masvidal countering that Polish throw that seems to appear in a. All the champions' games, their their own variations of it. Um, but there's been a little more crafty, dominant, traditional, if you will, with his setup. I know I'm not the authority on that, but um, I know my man Ed Gallo, uh, agree, uh, you know, at least agreed with that take. He gave me the like of approval. But damn, Ed likes everything. I know, I know. I'm trying to make myself feel better here. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Usman here by decision again, even though he wants to put a statement on. I just think Masvidal is really good. Uh, forgot to mention Mike Brown. who will have him in his camp this time around. Also been training with Bo Nickel. Um, even though Masvidal, again, already has really underrated wrestling, as he showed. and Stuffed a large percentages of Usman's attempts. But Usman, I think, is going to do a lot in the clinch here. And even though the big cage will favor most of the fighters I'm picking against, um... Usman not so much because the first time around was the 30-foot regulation cage, the big cage. So uh, I see him doing it again. Check the breakdown for more details. Um, Zhang Weili, minus 200. Uh, Rose Nami Yunus, plus 170. Um, yeah, uh, don't disagree with who is the favorite, but I also don't disagree with people saying Rose is the liveliest dog of the title fight bunch. Um and the numbers would certainly point that way, uh, as well as narratives and Rose's popularity. But Rose has always been a, a hard fighter. I was just shout out to uh, shout, shout out to Amber Dixon there. Um, I was talking to her um, uh, privately there, and and she was you know we were just let's just say we we're just talking about you know uh, betting history with Nami Yunus, and and she's asking. And I don't know if she asked me, but I just was saying like. I was just offering as apropos to the conversation that I'm like, you know, and, and I do kind of touch on it in my breakdown saying that odds makers, I think, even share my opinion here because if you look, they've been across the board. You want to talk about overcorrecting the steering wheel. I mean, look at Rose Namajunas to where she was favorite to where she was an underdog throughout her career. She's in face to unfair, and face, uh, unfair inflation both ways, right? Dating all the way back to Paige, so on and so forth. I, however, have always, always had a hard time, though, as well, kind of capping her fights. So... Um, I don't blame anybody, you know, for taking that shot here. She's going to be really live in the first 10 minutes, as everybody saw, which, you know, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the uh, the gif of Wei Li uh, getting punched in the face um, <laughs> did, uh, did, 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 did the best out of all the uh, gifs related to that breakdown. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, she's had, and I've talked about this in previous breakdowns, she's had, you know, she's been available for that counter right hand coming forward off the counter, off the back foot, etc. Different situations, different styles, different statures of fighters. Uh, Zhang Weili has been hit by it. Um, so that's live. However, as fights go on, um, which was why I, I, I leaned toward Yan Jacek, was because at that time we had never saw Zhang Weili answer the call, but for her to answer the call the way she did and, like, wash her numbers, like, she puts her craziest numbers in the fights in rounds four and five against Ioana and Jacek, one of the most talented, high-output five-round fighters, uh, especially in a fight like that, a style of fight like that given. Like, that proved a lot to me. But also her defense, I, oddly enough, um, you could argue got, gets better as fights go on. Uh, and 
uh, I got more of a glimpse, obviously, with it being a bigger sample size of that five round fight with Yan Jacek. Um, and, you know, Zhang Wei Li talking about, you know, sharing my man, uh, liberation martial arts. You know, this is a true martial artist. Uh, listening to Wei Li Zhang really intelligently, by the way, talk about martial arts. Again, why me and many wish the women got more credit for that stuff. Um, as opposed to she's marketable. Um, but, like, uh, you know, she's really speaking educated about wanting to shore her holes up and really maximizing that time off, which was good just to recover. I'm glad her and Joanna took that time off. They needed it. But to hear that Zhang was really just focusing on showing her holes, um, she definitely has the higher ceiling despite technically being the older fighter, still within her prime, still young for a female, by the way, but despite technically being the older fighter, still has the higher uh, both athletic ceiling, which is obvious, and ceiling as a fighter, which as talented as Rose is and even her biggest stands, um, I think if they can objectively for a second think um would even agree that yeah rose is much more closer to a complete product than john so i don't think she's green like dana white said but yeah there 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 is something to that right uh for both good and bad um that being said rose has been susceptible to leg kicks everyone that land on her at a high clip uh has done well andraj should have done that in the second fight she landed like 15 out of 16 but andraj barely ever throws leg kicks and she really needs to more by the way we'll get to her in a second um, but Zhang Weili does. She does side kicks, inside kicks, outside kicks. Her timing's really well on it. Um, and when someone tries to counter or step outside of it, she usually has the counters for the counters in the form of spins, um, accurate spins at that, mind you. Like I wouldn't be surprised to like hit row to like Edson Barbosa, Terry Edom rows. Like that would be a dream come true. But um, obviously, her left hook is a little bit more the potent shot, and leg kicks are more the practical shots. Um, that I will reference and referenced in the breakdown to look out for, especially when she gets in a clinch range. And that's kind of the reason why I picked Zhang Wei Li, not because of biases. Believe it or not, folks, again, despite my tangent in this podcast in the beginning of the last few, I have a much stronger track record and sample size. Um, not just outdoing my own biases, but the biases of every, almost everybody else in the space, okay? So get out of here with that. The reason why I picked Zhang Wei Li officially and... Um, would play her if she came below two, two to one favorite. She came within chalk range. Um, although I still might. That's also for bias reasons, which you should never do. Um, again, uh, but the reason why I'm officially picking her here is because you just look at Rose's track record. And um, when it comes to fighters who are more athletic or physical than her, and they either were competent in the clinch or competent wrestlers slash grapplers, they got the better of Rose, um, even if the judges didn't see it that way. Um, like in, you know, uh, was it her last fight against Andrade where it's like, yeah, you won, but like you got battered uh, badly. I mean, not just by looking at your face. I mean, she got that fight with even the first two grounds. Andrade had way more moments than I realized. And don't go by the significant strike. But she out, Rucker. That's what I pet peeve. Significant strikes. Ugh, that stat. It's stupid, and the judges don't even have access to it, so don't even start with that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's just that she, she, those tend to be the thing, and Zhang Weili um, is the better wrestler and the better clinch fighter and the better athlete. And she's more durable um, as well. Uh, you know, I don't like to do the MMA math, but you know, the shot, you know, and, and I know Joanna doesn't hit, hit super hard, but like, 
the shot she took like, um, from, you know, Andrade and the way she was able to, as far as her power goes. And, yeah, she got rocked by Torres. That was more like a perfectly timed shot slash I don't know if it even rocked her that bad. I think it was more commentary. Um, and same with a lot of the things. Usman, you know, with Gilbert Burns wasn't as bad when you go back to look at it. The commentary, oh, he's rocked. You got Rogan going crazy, right? Um, same thing for uh, Zhang Weili's, a lot of Zhang Weili stuff. Um, the person who rocks her legitimately the most is actually Daniel Taylor, who actually has a track record of hitting hard and has won her decisions despite being super low output and not getting stoppages as a pro, as she did as an amateur, is because her power is so damn hard that it scares opponents off. Um, you actually look at it despite her success, she actually looks the one more hurt, scared, and uh, hesitant in exchanges. Uh, as far as, you know, what the power is reading off in their faces, right? So, yeah, for those reasons, I feel like Zhang will be able to, even if Rose starts off well, will be able to um, get that off. Also, don't like that Rose is taking all these time in between fights. Because if you look at it, it's like, <sighs> the last fight she really, like, confidently won, it was a close fight. It was another close fight where, you know, she had to dig deep. Again, I was there. Back in 2018 against Ioana and Jacek, so like the last like confident clear fight she won was Ioana in 2017, almost four years ago. And I'm not trying to take away from that win, but that's her only KO record. And we've seen Ioana be in wars and take hard shots from hard hitters. Aforementioned Wei Lee, right? And we've seen Rose hit girls who have been in wars and been knocked out, like Jessica Andrade and uh, still have Andrade land the harder of the shots between the two and get the, arguably get the better of her, right? Even though they're technically one and one I mean, so I hate, you know, to give credence to excuses, but I do believe there's some credence to that weight cut excuse Ioana had if you look at the way she's looked and taken shots since then. And Rose, again, only one KO to her name. So unless she finds a way to stop or submit Wei Li Zhang, who is, you know, freakish and a good grappler herself, um... I see her running away, possibly getting a late stoppage and really putting it on Nami Yunus. So I officially picked uh, Zhang Wei Li um, by, de by decision. Um, and with the Rose in between fights, you look at the way she starts Andrade the second time, she actually doesn't start the fight as well with as much... There's a lot of the same ideas, but the movement doesn't look as good there. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, a lot of that could have been maybe pandemic training. Um, but yeah. We'll see what happens there. I got Zhang. Uh, next fight, Valentina Shevchenko, minus 460. Jessica Andrade, plus 365. Um, hopefully this drops soon uh, as I'm speaking to you guys. But I took Shevchenko here. She's the one champion I took by not decision. Uh, I think she gets a, a finish in the, within the first half of the fight. Could be early because fighters that bring it to her um, that come in hot tend to get grounded and or um, lit up on the feet. And um, I know a lot of people, uh, I've seen the take everywhere, and it's by people I respect, not throwing shade. I'm just saying a lot of people saying, oh, the stature and the dipping is going to go right into the head movement. Um, you know, I saw that take a lot, especially when I posted the clip of um, Shevchenko capitalizing on it with Jessica I. But more specifically, I also was just seeing comments on Andrade's head movement in general, which is why I made the tweet. Because when I interviewed Jessica Andrade after she beat Joanne Calderwood and she was getting ready for a title fight, she stayed in Vegas in December of 2016, all the way until like January or February, sparring at Syndicate, 
uh, UNLV Boxing, where I actually met up with her and Angelo Reyes, uh, with the Mayweather connection there, and they had a bunch of people working with her, or in there to work, and um, I was interviewing her, and she had her coach Prana Gil, uh, from Prana Valley Tudo, uh, I think, I don't know, Gilliard, I think is his name, but I, Gil, is kind of for short, what we call them, um, by the way, like as far as like fighters interviewing, interviewed Shevchenko sisters as well, and, and I like the Shevchenko sisters, and not in the stupid horny way, but they're kind of like how they are advertised, right? Like Andraj, even with the language discrepancy, like holy crap, man, woman, language, country, she is like by far the sweetest human being I think I've ever interacted as a fighter. Like, and her and their coach's relationship are ridiculously tight. Like, it's one of those coach to fighter relationships where you can tell. So uh, that loyalty won out, and she eventually decided to stay in Brazil. But while she was up there at UNLV Boxing and flirting with these different camps, uh, my man Angelo Reyes, shout out to Angelo Reyes, uh, of course comes from the wild card team over there originally, the Manny Pacquiao Association, done his own things, um, more associated with Mayweather Boxing Gym and you know UNLV Boxing. Uh, helped Frank Mir in a brief resurgence there with his boxing, getting him on that path. But uh, Angelo was really pushing, um, stressing to Andrade and her team because of her style and stature, because she's an inherent pressure fighter. Of course, he cites, you know, the granddaddy of pressure fighters uh, for boxing as far as from an early historical perspective being Henry Armstrong. Go look him up if you're not familiar. And Armstrong was essentially a guy who was another short and stature guy. I don't know how short he was as much as it was that the fact that he was also fighting in four weight classes, he got robbed of the middleweight in one where like the ref literally fled after a suspect decision. But this guy held um, three titles, Henry Armstrong, when there was only like eight weight classes in boxing at the time. And he was a pressure fighter, and he had a really unique style of kind of dipping his head left and right. And of course, he had a much more layered in-fighting game that involved elbow frames and steering that I wish... Uh, Andrade would do slash I think would translate to rest, uh, to MMA really well because this Henry Armstrong fella could wrestle. I mean, I was even watching footage of this guy hitting like arm drags to get out of the corner. Really awesome shit. Like he really understood some wrestling. I mean, as as did the earlier generations when they actually allowed more wrestling and boxing, right? Um, but that was the style that was stressed, and you see Andrade kind of uh, flirt with it. Since that Ian Jacek fight, or title fight, or first fight title attempt. Um, but I, something tells me she kept it to heart because I posted this collage tying it in visually so you could see. Played a little Sisters of Mercy in the background there. A little industrial goth. Um, but, um, and this clip I posted on Twitter and in my breakdown. And you see the similarities on how it's really useful and how to get on the inside and set up uh, unsuspecting hooks from the crouch and all these things, right? Um, so that's super cool, but I also think that they're pretty smart and they know that they could do it ridiculously with Rose because Rose doesn't throw a lot of kicks, much less lead leg kicks. Again, she's very boxing-centric, which is why her weight is disproportioned. Uh, if you're disproportioned heavy, you're not going to be able to defend kicks or throw kicks as well off your lead foot, right? So hence why she took that much approach. I don't expect her or hope she doesn't because then she will run into a head kick, but whether... She does the exaggerated head movement or not, I do still suspect Shevchenko's check right hook to be live. You know, that check right hook that uh, they called for all through the Holly Holm and Shevchenko fight, but your boy pretty much wrote his breakdown uh, as if I saw that fight ahead of time. Because um, I do know me some check right hooks, but uh, anyways, who, you know, 
y'all give me credit for it, so thank you. But we'll see if any of the bigger media people ever or broadcast. Probably not because, you know, again, I've been outspoken lately. And, you know, you're not allowed to do that. I already shot myself in the foot and alienated myself amongst that crowd. Anyways, taking Shevchenko inside the distance, as I feel like her knees are also going to be super live. And I think she can win the wrestling. She's just going to have to stop the high crotch lift. I do think Andrade will get a couple takedowns, maybe one or two. But um, it's gonna, she's going to have a real tough time. Shevchenko does seem better about separating grips. Um, I know somebody commented um, that, like, oh... The head position clip, uh, she's not going to be able to do that to Andrade as easily because of her stature, that is true. But I posted that clip more as far as her separating grips as well, but being better and more urgent about separating grips as well as being better and more urgent about separating from the fence and turning in and around, which she does all those things, including a nice cheeky elbow off of the break. But knees and check hook's going to be live. Shevchenko inside the distance, no later than round trace. Uh, Chris Weidman, minus 125. Uriah Hall, plus 105. I think Hall opened as the favorite. He did, minus 135. I don't blame anybody taking Weidman at dog odds. Uh, however, I did stick to my pick of Uriah Hall. I may sprinkle on him because he's a dog, but I'm not even that confident. Like I was telling someone up in my DMs, asking me if there's anything I was confident in. Um, You know... By the way, people sending me stuff in the DMs to retweet. Like, if you're not even bothering to retweet my stuff or setting it up or, you know, posting stop Asian hate or anything, especially if you're an Asian media member, like, stop doing that. I'm going to have to stop sharing your stuff, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, another thing that made me realize is not only how many people don't care, but how many people still will use you for the stuff that you are good at. Because, again, you know, you can use Asians, but we can't, we can't, God forbid, identify with their purposes. That has nothing to do with this matchup. I'm taking Uriah Hall, um, even though I've never been uh, super high on Carlos Jr., and Carlos Jr. is not as good of a wrestler, obviously, as Weidman, and I will argue to say that he's not as good as an MMA grappler as Weidman. I still feel like what we saw in that fight could be how Uriah Hall could still win a decision, although I'm picking him to knock out Chris Weidman. Um, it's because, again, if the judges keep that same energy, um then uh, Weidman is really going to have to do irreparable damage or submit Hall, which is not easy to do. He's never been submitted. And even guys who were on their way to winning, out grappling, and even out wrestling Weidman and guard Musasi um, had trouble holding Hall down, right? Uh, granted, he was able to get his revenge, but, you know, we saw him. Uh, we saw how Hall kind of has that Derek Lewis in him throughout his career where he can kind of explode up. Um you know, so, uh, and he's actually worked legitimately. Um, takedown defense has good balance. They're both the same age, so I don't know how much aging will have to do with it, although Wadman obviously has been in more wars. Uh, they're both capable of being knocked out, although Wadman obviously, I would say, has a less durable chin or more suspect chin, however you want to phrase it or frame it. Um, I will say I do like where Webman's at, you know, training. He's got a lot of killer killers down there at South Carolina. Arguably has better trading partners than his other place. So I'm not even fading the new training regime or anything like that, folks. I actually really like that for Weidman. But, um, yeah, man, um, I just feel like Ahmedov, you know, really fought a poor fight, yeah, fought his worst fight. Essentially, it came down to one exchange, and then Weidman was able to ride out that third round. 
Uh, I don't know if he can do that with Hall. I think Hall's clicking on all cylinders. I don't think Hall's going to have the fanboy thing that caused his suspect performance to Silva, which was kind of predictable. Um, but aside from those sketchy first few rounds, you look at the way he can pose himself once he got turned on after being hit and hurt, as tends to happen with Uriah Hall. Um, so in other words, a guy coming at him like Wyman can only kind of wake him up further. Um, I, you know, I feel like he'll wake up there. And, uh, yeah, just the fact this connection with Safe Sayud, I really like it. I, I'm really sold on it. I feel like it's the perfect pairing. And I feel like this time around um, he can get his revenge. We'll see. I like Chris Weidman as well. I'm not super confident, although I may sprinkle just because it's one of the only dogs I really picked here. Uh, so the pick is Hall. Next fight, Jimmy Crute, minus 190. Anthony Smith, plus 165. I didn't get to go back to watch Crute's recent first-round finishes, but I do like where his head's at. He's went from a brown to a black belt. Um, I like that he kind of got exposed by Sirkinoff and made him uh, be critical on himself, and he wasn't afraid to be critical on himself and his mentality and, and psychology and Things that are called weak, bro. And, like, no, nah, Crute seems to embarrass that. Shout-out to Mark Fellows, his favorite fighter there. Shout-out to anybody in the Crute gang. Um, I'm going to pick Crute for that reason. Um, although Anthony Smith, you know, even though Jimmy Crute, you know, finished the last fight in the third round that he got with, uh, you know, another talented jiu-jitsu guy off his back in Paul Craig, you know, third-round Anthony Smith is something. But uh, as much as I like Anthony Smith, I got Jimmy Crute to roll here. But I'm not super confident in it like I am with anything on this card. I apologize, folks. Dana Badrill, Badrill, uh, minus 185. Kevin Natividad, plus 160. I won't sing that song. But it's so very tempting to sing it. Especially because I don't have analysis to offer. But if the gun's to my head, I'm gonna pick Dana Batgirl. All right, next fight. Sorry, Kevin. Probably hate me for that. Uh, damn it. I got the pronunciation here by my man. Um, but it's an even fight. Jeffrey Molina, who is son of Doc Ock, Alfred Molina. Uh, just kidding. Uh, you know, uh, motoring. What's your price for flight? Love that actor. He's awesome. Uh, I'm sure there is no relation. Who opened as the favorite here? Did Jeff Molina open as the favorite? Uh, no, he did not. I'd slightly pick him, but um, but now it's pretty much even. Uh, let's go to the pronunciation of... It's pronounced as one. It's not Quilang Aori. It's um, pronounced... Let's get the right pronunciation here. Do 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 Jesus, how do I not have it? Dan really tried hard not to be racist because everybody takes everything against because god forbid i speak about asian lives speaking of which my man at jhkmma you should follow him john hyun ko i support my fellow media members regardless what race they are but yes asians doing good things he is it for your information he says it is aori it is arichi long not quilang aori not aori quilang it's arichi long is how it is pronounced so uh, i did not um do any uh Anything on this? Jeff Molina? Uh, I don't know. I think... Uh, Aori, uh, uh, shit. 
How do I pronounce that again? And I just looked up their things too. I can't forget. Jeff Molina has very limited stuff. Uh, whereas um, Adi Chi Long um, is kickboxing, and I think he's a blue belt or purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So I'll go with him. Chinese fighter, I believe. Uh, Brandon Allen minus 160. Carl Roberson plus 160. Um, Brandon Allen, uh, I'm going to go with him because he's a Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup. Um, Roberson, I think, is like 1-1 one one or 0-1. Oh uh, but I like, uh, even though I picked against Brandon Allen, rightfully so, the last time, uh, I don't think Carl Roberson has the anti-jujitsu uh, or jujitsu or the output that uh, Sean Strickland had. Uh, and Brendan Allen has a lot of southpaw strikers to train with, from Robbie Lawler to his main training partner, um, Derek Brunson. Um, and uh, against southpaws, he beat Kyle Dawkins, beat Tom Breeze. He's 2-0 there. Uh, lost to Fluffy Hernandez, Eric Anders. I know one of them, Anders at least, is a southpaw. So, yeah, he has a winning record technically against Southpaw's more experience, whereas Carl Roberson, um, he, uh, Kapiloff, uh, I think, is a Southpaw. Actually, he beat him. He lost to Vittori, 1-1. One one. I don't know if Terman was a Southpaw. Uh, Fajero was a Southpaw. He lost to him. I know that was a submission, but he's 1-2. Uh, and two. So he kind of has the opposite record. Um, against um, Southpaws, uh, notable ones at least. But yeah, I'm going to go with Brendan Allen there. All right, uh, next fight. Uh, Zhu Rong minus 250. Rodrigo Vargas plus 210. Vargas can't help but foul. He's like all up about the MMA meta, about foul fouling while you're ahead. Except he's not, you know, as good as John Jones or, um, you know, Jose Aldo or uh, Jermaine Sterling or... Um, uh, you know, you name them, uh, the MMA meta there. So I'm going to go Zhu Rong. Um, he's got some grappling and regional experience. Uh, Ariane Carnalosi, he's got black belts in jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and the like, is minus 220 against Nat Liang, plus 180. Not a lot of experience on Nat Liang's side, so I'm going to go Carnalosi. Um, didn't do any study there, as you can tell. Randy Brown, minus 155. Alex Oliveira plus 135. Um, Alex Oliveira could look like this could be a fight that he actually takes serious coming into shape, but it's always tough with all the stuff that he's going through, and ever since he opened up his own gym and his own, like, uh, what do you call, complex, or what do you call, like, a Waco <laughs> facility down there in Brazil, it's hard to know what you're getting or where his mind's at, so for that alone, I'll pick Randy Brown. Um, that, and even if, like, Alex Oliveira go takes him down from the clinch, um where he's strong at and will probably want to fight Brown from if he's smart. Um, unless he depends on a right-hand knockout, that is, is that he could uh, end up getting submitted from Brown's guard because uh, Brown can actually submit off of his back. So I'll go Randy Brown there, but I'm not super confident on a play. Uh, next fight, Dwight Grant, minus 220, who's like literally got stuff like weapon specialists in his record against uh, Stefan Sekulich, who I believe is a jiu-jitsu black belt or at least claims one in his record um but i'm gonna go with dwight grant there for his power um i did not study it uh no plays not confident um pat sabatini minus 225 he opened as the underdog congrats to anybody who got that you know i like me some pat sabatini cfffc um you know which uh you know uh, i tend to watch because uh the guy john morgan calls fights on there does a great job with cm punk 
Um, I know he's big on Sabatini. I actually picked Sabatini against a much more scarier fighter than Alves. And I know that's the thing you can't overlook Connolly. Uh, Canada's own there. Um, but uh, I actually like Sabatini. I feel like he should be favored here. Um, despite being a lighter guy fight, fighting a dude who is a light coming down from lightweight and just beat a welterweight. You know, those are really selective ways to look at that. Um, because you can still argue that Tristan Connolly lost the fight and Michelle Pajara can shit the bed. And circumstances. So I'm not trying to take anything away from Connolly, who looks like he's in fantastic shape. So um, you could argue that the value at these line is on Connolly, but I got Sabatini here. All right, how do we do on time? 111. We know what most of that was spent talking about. All right. Recapping from top to bottom, uh, taking Usman over Masvidal, taking Zhang over Namayunas, taking Shevchenko over Andraj, taking Hall over Weidman, taking Jimmy fucking Crute. Y'all heard of Jimmy fucking Crute uh, over Anthony Smith, taking uh, Dana Batgirl over Kevin Natividad, uh, taking uh, Ari Lee Chang. Uh, or Chi Leng, or fuck, how do you say it? God damn it, I find myself on this. <laughs> Ari Chi Long um, over, um, I lost my spot, over Jeffrey Molina, Motorway, uh, taking Brandon Allen over Carl Roberson, taking Zong Ru over Vargas, taking Carnelosi over Liang, taking Brown over Oliveira, taking Grant over Sekulich, taking Sabatini over Connolly, no plays uh, that I'm confident in. Sorry, folks. May sprinkle on Hall, and uh, you know, there'll probably be some bias chalk for because there's a lot of chalk on this card, and you can guess that Zhang will probably be amongst that for me. But I don't suggest you follow me off that cliff. Regardless of what you're on, good luck with your picks and plays. Thank you for listening to this shit show. It's either going to be back to business or I'm just going to stop because I, 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 you guys hate this. Believe me, I hate it more. Uh, I can't keep, you know, having the intro of my shows, having to be, you know, one of the only voices doing this bullshit. So good luck on your picks and plays. Stop Asian hate and always protect your neck. sitting here with just pee stains on my rug. Yeah. No, man, I gotta, you know. Fucking Germans. Nothing changes. Fucking Nazis.